Hi, welcome to the Modern OT Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about defining occupational therapy, insights from OTs in the profession, and highlighting how students advocate occupational therapy while in school. I am Sirianni. And I am Laura. And our goal in this podcast is to show the modern definition of OT. So let's dive into today's episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Modern OT Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. Her name is um, Shania Jones, and she is a student occupational therapy. She's also known as the shop OT. Am I saying that right? Show the OT. Show the OT, excuse mm-hmm. me. <laughs> and she's doing amazing things. She's giving her little dashes of OT to inspire others. So, Shania, um, you want to just start with a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Shania Jones, as she mentioned. Um, I'm originally from Chicago, but I have been in the Columbia, Missouri area for the past six years. I did my undergrad at Mizzou or the University of Missouri, if you guys don't know, um, the the school. And now I'm in their Master's of Occupational Therapy program. I just finished my first year. <laughs> That's so exciting. I'm actually in my first year. I had just my first week of school and that whooped my ass. <laughs> Girl, I already know. I've been there, done that. It's still whooping my ass. <laughs> Huge references, but yeah, how was um, how was that like first year of school, and how's like all the transition now with like COVID? Because I know for me it's kind of rough. Yeah, so um, originally before COVID, it was like like an adjustment period, obviously because it's grad school. Um, but I got my footing. I was like finally getting the hang of things, and then COVID happened. And so I really honestly feel like I'm like learning how to do grad school all over again because it's so different. Uh, Zoom, as I've mentioned in one of my videos, sucks. <laughs> so um, uh, I've been trying to get used to that. Um, just trying to like, because grad school is a lot of teamwork. And so trying to get with groups virtually is so hard. And just trying to figure out like what professors expect of you during this time is kind of hard as well, because it's just like, we can't give you our 100% like we usually would in class. And so now trying to figure out like, okay, this professor expects this from us, and this professor expects this from us, like trying to balance all that is kind of tricky, but I'm kind of getting the hang of it. But I know now they're talking about opening up campus again so now I feel like I have to get the hang of regular school again so (laughs) it's a lot oh yeah no I totally get that we're in the same boat in that sense except I'm just starting so it's like I had orientation online and like my first week of class was just like nuts because now my professors go overtime because they can exactly that's like a thing too I've noticed and just that adjustment (laughs) period have not gone to that have not like hit that yet (laughs) I'm still adjusting it's so difficult (laughs) but um yeah, so for for grad school, I know you also said that you had your first like field work experience as well. Was that like in COVID or was that? Um, no, that was um, back in October. So it was oh, before. October. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. How was that experience for you? It was um, it was good and it had its bad moment. So um, it was at a mental health facility. And as we know, like mental health facilities are truly underfunded. So um, they didn't have the resources that they needed to be great, but they were, they did have a lot of potential. And so I went there with a a couple of my other um, classmates from my cohort 
And we kind of just decided to start doing our own thing and making the field work experience what we wanted to make it. And so that kind of made it a better experience. Also, we weren't with an OT. I don't know if you guys like thought your all your field work experiences were going to be with the OT. They're not. <laughs> yeah. So that was a surprise to me as well. But that wasn't a big deal once we got there and we started doing our own thing. It was really just a way to expose us to the um, adult population who have mental disabilities and it was great. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that sounds, yeah, that sounds crazy. That's, that's definitely news to me. Like I said, I had no idea that I thought it was mostly like your shadowing OTs and field work since I haven't right. gone there yet. I don't get there until like, I got a little bit to go, thankfully. So I don't have to like deal with all this, but um, right. yeah. Uh, in one of your YouTube videos, you were talking about your fieldwork experience and, you know, yeah. any other students who might be listening. Can you kind of discuss, like, adapting when you're in fieldwork, especially since you're not working with OTs? Um, for sure. So, um, it was hard for us at first because we kind of went in there thinking that it was going to be one way when it turned out to be a totally different other way. And so, we kind of just made a conscious effort to just not ignore what the people were telling us to do, but just enhance what they were telling us to do because they kind of just put us with people and told us to follow their lead, but their lead wasn't much. <laughs> so we kind of just started venturing out on our own, making conversations with the residents of the facility and just doing our own thing. And then like, as we started making those connections with the residents, they started opening up to us more. And so they started telling us what they wanted to do. And we kind of just made it happen. And we definitely, definitely made sure it was okay with the um with the person that was running the facility and she was totally fine with it so we just started doing our own thing and making the best of it another thing that was really good that my program did they had us do daily refre reflection discussion boards and so those daily reflections discussion boards really helped me um i guess process my feelings during that time because you know when you're expecting something to go a certain way and it's not going the way you thought it was going to go you can start like having negative feelings about an experience and so I kind of just took those reflection discussion boards to like get my um feelings out there and then like my like my professor would comment on it and she'd like put it in perspective to me like yeah like you're experiencing this but like is, is that something that you can control and it's like no I can't control that these people aren't um getting the resources that they need to reach their full potential so it's like try to make it as best as you can like do things that are within your control and don't complain about things that aren't in your control yeah i think that's a good way to put things i think that's really cool that they actually did that with you and yeah. that you guys are able to process your feelings in that sense that's really awesome and um well, i had something i just forgot oh wait <laughs> field work though um were you kind of like thrown in the loop or they did they, they kind of prepare you for that? Um, so the head of the facility kind of prepared us for it um, before we actually got um, split off into groups with the different employees. She kind of sat us down and was like, um, yeah, so we're a work in progress. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, good to know. <laughs> and so then we kind of just went from there and yeah, so we we didn't expect it going in, but then she sat us down and like told us like, yeah, don't expect much. <laughs> That's interesting because um right before right before COVID happened, my program we were doing our like um weekly meetings. So after like on Mondays 
to talk about field work and um that little portion of my professor was saying like yeah don't you might not be working with an OT and I was like oh Oh, here we go. Yeah, I definitely didn't know that. Like going in, I definitely thought like all my fieldwork experiences were going to be with the OT. I'm assuming that from here on out, they're going to be with the OT since that was just my first one. But yeah, I definitely thought all of them would be. No, that's, yeah, it's, that's still really interesting because um, some of the programs might not tell people, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, honestly, like I said before, like I had no idea that was a thing. Is that just in like certain settings where you wouldn't be working with an OT or is it just depends um i'm thinking it probably just depends because this is uh, this was a mental health field work experience so ot's aren't really in there like they um like they probably should be so i think that's where that problem came in oh so is there more of like i'm not too sure personally is there like a lack you said there's like a lack of ot's in like mental health facilities is that just yeah that's really interesting. I didn't think there would be because I mean, OT is more focused on like, um, well, I mean, it's focused on a lot of different things, but oh, sorry, was that sorry? And resources too. Because I think, um, Shania, you said in one of your videos, but mm -hmm. I know my professor said here, like, don't expect a lot of resources available because of yeah. funding. It's just an yeah. issue. Yeah, it's just a funding issue. I think it's more popular in the mental health setting, though, than others. Yes. Mm hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, that, that's really interesting to me. And um, so when do you have like any other field work, field work experiences coming up? As well? Yes, I actually have one in August. Um, oh. So hopefully that goes to plan with COVID. <laughs> I actually we haven't gotten any information on it. So I really don't know what to expect for that one. So I will keep you guys posted. <laughs> So they haven't said like, are you going to a location or is it going to be online? They, it's going to be at a location. It's, um, I think it's at an acute hospital. So the way um, my program does it is for our um, level two field works. Like we basically get to choose the setting and like all of that. That's the six month long one. And so for our second level one field work, which is the one I'm doing in August, um, they try to kind of do the opposite of what you choose so that you get experience in like a bunch of different settings. And so I'm choosing to do um, school-based um, OT and outpatient peds for my level twos. And so they wanted me to get like adult experience. Interesting. Okay. So for August, is that level one field work you're doing? Is that yes, so the first one back in October was level 1A, and then this one in August is level 1B. Got it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Hopefully that goes as planned, yeah. <laughs> and you said you might be able to work in um, the, the educational system, depending if the school's open? Yes. And is that that's something you wanted to do, I think you said in one? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> I worked in a school, too, so I... I can totally relate. And the OTs were pretty friendly. They really loved what they did there. I think the most beneficial thing was them that, like, they didn't get to stay in one location. Some do, but here in Florida, they don't. So, like, they'll go from elementary to middle to maybe high school. Or no. Yeah, I think a lot of um, school based OTs are like that. Um, I worked in a school during my gap year, and uh, I got really close with the OTs there, but they got to stay there, which I thought was pretty cool because that's, I 
in an ideal world, that's kind of what I want to do. I want to just stay put in like one location. But yeah, I love school-based OT. Like every like school-based OT I've met, like their personality is my personality. And so I just feel like that that's the place for me. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. And I remember you said, I know you did like a video too on um, like reapplying to OT school as well. You said you had a gap year, right? Yes. How did you say you worked in like, uh, what did you do within that gap year? Would you, were you working in the school? Is that what you said? Yes, I worked at a um, Title I preschool. Do you guys know what a Title I preschool is? Not too sure. So oh, a, a, <laughs> a Title I preschool is basically a preschool for children who are um, at risk for um, just like educational disadvantages. And so... Um, yeah, I worked there for a year. It was crazy. I got the job because I had I had worked at the preschool. It's weird. So I was a part of this program called Jumpstart in my undergrad. And so um, we would go to different preschools and like hold like this like literary fun session for preschoolers. And so I worked at that preschool before actually being hired by it. It's weird because I was technically hired. I was employed through Jumpstart, so I didn't technically work at the school, but I went to the school. And so um, after my many rejections from OT school, <laughs> the first time around, um, I was just talking to um, one of the teachers that worked at the school, and she's like, oh, you don't have plans? You can work here. <laughs> and so then um, I talked to the principal, and I had an interview, and then I got hired. And so, yeah, I spent my gap year working there, which was truly beneficial because obviously I want to work in schools. And so like I learned about the um, the different type of, um, what is it, IPE meetings, all of that. It's just like, it was really cool and informational. You know, Chanel, so let's, let's, let's dive into this. Since OTCAS is opening up, I think, what, in a week or two weeks? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about, um, obviously, we know that you restarted. So let's talk about, like, not restarted, but um, applied a second time. Because um, right. some people, you know, they got in first try. But talk about applying the first time versus the second time. Okay, so first time. Um, <laughs> I'm going to admit that I did not do any of the things that I should have done. <laughs> Um, I, so I mentioned that I, uh, like things have, I don't want to say this in a talky way, but things have just come easy to me. Like applying to jobs, I usually get them. Getting into school, the first, like undergrad, I got into all, most of the schools that I applied to. So I kind of think that I took that for granted and I was just like, yeah, as long as I put this application in, like I'm going to get into OT school. That is not the case. <laughs> You actually have to try. <laughs> but um, yeah, so things I did differently. Um, first time around, I did not um, have others look at my like application materials, like my personal statements. I kind of just like wrote my essay and was like, yep, that looks good to me and then submitted it. But um, in reality, it's really good for others to look at them and so you can get a different point of view and when I say others I mean like professors friends parents employers like anybody that you can find to look at your things just to get a different point of view because what you might see when you read it another person might see it differently and so you kind of just want to get different point of views on that 
Um, something else that I did differently was um, the first time around, I just got the bare minimum of observation hours. And in reality, the programs, they say a bare minimum just to give you like a, like a, a foundation, but they really want more because if other applicants are doing way more, but you're just giving the bare minimum, then they're gonna just choose um, the person that went above and beyond. Um, another thing, even though Mizzou didn't um, require the GRE, I took the GRE because I did, I was applying to schools that um, required the GRE. Uh, and I did not study for it the first time. I thought that I could just do it because I did good on the ACT. So of course I was going to do good on the GRE, right? No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> so yeah, uh, the second time around, I bought a GRE prep book, really focused. Like I didn't do anything crazy, but as long as you start enough and uh, if you start studying enough in advance, all you have to do is like an hour a day and you'll like be fine. It wasn't bad once I actually tried. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, basically after I got rejected the first time, I kind of just had to sit back and like reflect on like if I really wanted to be an OT. And I was just like, um, I think I do. And so then I, I kind of just was like, all right, now it's time to like actually put your best foot forward and actually try this time and look at where I am. So if you got rejected, don't worry, you can get in. <laughs> I love that. I love that mentality too. It's like once you really like, well, you know, once you get rejected, I feel you can turn that rejection into something more and hey, you can get in because it's not easy. For sure. No, definitely. I mean, like, even though I did get in, like, it was a process, like, it was really hard for me. And like, I, I had to like really bust my ass off to like get into OT school, like, and just everything you said, even with the GRE, like I went through all that stuff too, but like, luckily, like I didn't have to take it to the school I went to, but that was a big process for me too. So I totally relate to everything you just said. So relatable, sure. but that's really awesome though, that you're able to like switch your mindset. Like, even though you did get rejected, you were able to just be like, okay, this is something that I want. This gap year is beneficial for me. I'm going to get in. I can do this. And right. that's really, really awesome. And you're honestly doing such great things. I've been watching Thank all your you. YouTube videos too. And you, you cover like all the bases is, is what I, is what I um, see in that. They cover like you so much. and like, just, I think you're doing great. Oh, thank you. <laughs> no problem. I think it is, you know what it is that you're keeping it so realistic. Yes. You know, there, there's a few people who do videos too, but like, it's, it's just like the real oneness. I think that's what. Yeah, like, um, YouTube is like, a, has always been like a huge resource for me. Like, I really, I go to YouTube for anything. I honestly feel like if you want to learn how to do something, you can learn how to do it on YouTube. <laughs> YouTube University. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, so I kind of, I always go to YouTube for things that I need or whatever. And so I was trying, I was looking through, like, during my first year, I was like, always going to YouTube. And I, I felt that. I was like, I see some OT YouTubers out there, but I don't see anybody who I could truly connect with, I felt like. And so I was like, I feel like there's a need for somebody that is gonna keep like you said, keep it real, like let you know what it is and what it isn't. Like I would I wanted somebody to keep it real with me. So I just thought I would do the same for others. 
And Chanel, what, what really made you advocate for OT in starting the channel? Did someone well, guide you a little bit? What'd you say? Did someone kind of guide you or did you like just think about doing it on your own? So I've, I've had the idea to start this channel for a long time and I don't know where the idea came from. I think it was just, um, I think it was just because I thought that um, OTs needed to know that there are black OTs out there and that we need to like advocate for ourselves and we also need to get the word out there for OT because a lot of people don't know what OT is and so I felt like um, we can get more diversity in this field if more people of color within the field speak up and advocate for us and so that's kind of where I started it for, but of course, I, I love all people, and so I'm, I'm here to educate all, but I'm here to represent for people of color. With everything going on in the last month, how is, has that perspective changed for you? Because for me, um, it's nothing new, and maybe for someone like Laura, I don't want to speak for you, but you know, we were talking about it, and how do you think that in OT we can make a difference? If someone else who's learning to the same make a difference in the future? Um, so as from an OT perspective, I think that um, mental health is a huge part of what we do. And so when you're working with clients of diverse backgrounds, I just think it's important to know the struggles that they go through. And so keeping that into consideration, I think is um, a super helpful thing. So like, like, I don't know if you guys saw my um, occupational injustice video. Um, a lot black people really can't engage in the things that they want to do the way that others can. It's actually like detrimental to our, our lives sometimes. And so just keeping that in mind when we are working with clients of diverse backgrounds that sometimes the things that you are able to do that they can't do. And so just keeping that in perspective, and like I said, um, advocating for them. I think working with um, clients of diverse backgrounds is just as important in the clinic or in the healthcare setting, but it's also important off of, off of the, the setting. I don't know how to, <laughs> I don't know how to phrase it, but like it's important to live it in your everyday lives, like advocate for the people that you're serving, basically. Yeah, exactly. I totally understand that. And um, yeah, I think it's just like, it's a very like sensitive topic like nowadays, everything going on the past like month now, and it's just, yeah, that, that's basically all I can really think about. It's just, it's a very sensitive topic and it's very important that everyone just kind of just speak up and really try to just like push for good changes for black lives. Of it, everyone of matters, you know, and I, I always embrace yeah. diversity in my life. I always try to with my friends, my family, whoever it is. and. I, like for me, like I never understood why people have to act a certain type of way towards other people. And I mean, that's why like I'm an OT even because like I understand that like that everyone should be included, you know, but not everyone understands that, you know, right. So it's just like educating people and really just kind of pushing through those like hard conversations. Of course. And that's a good point that you made there, that in order for us to have change, like hard conversations do need to happen. And so the more that we get um, comfortable with that, I think the further progress we will make. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I love that. And now, you know, you applied, you got in, you're, you know, you're making change happen, you did your first mm -hmm. year. Can you you want to just summarize how that you know balance between maybe 
working, going to school, adapting, changing your habits, maybe? Cool. Um, working has not been terrible, honestly, in school. I thought that was going to be a, a huge um, issue that I was going to have to figure out, but it actually hasn't been that bad. So I'm a, re a registered behavior technician for uh, applied behavior analysis clinic. And so I basically do therapy with um, children who have autism. And uh, so being an RBT is very, very flexible. The hours are super flexible. So especially with the clinic I work for, they're super flexible with hours and understanding that I'm in grad school. And so um, I do mostly in-home services. And so most of the time I will, um, go do like a session i think my schedule is tuesday thursday friday and some saturdays i'll do an afternoon session on tuesday and thursday and then friday i'll work all day and um, sometimes i'll work a saturday morning and so with that schedule it hasn't been bad i work about 15 hours a week it's really manageable as long as when you're not working you're actually doing school work <laughs> but um yeah as long as you um can manage it and like can do it um more than 15 hours i wouldn't recommend i think i'm pushing the limit but um yeah i know that's easier said than done if you need money you need money so <laughs> but yeah yeah no i totally get that like i'm working right now as well through um through grad school and it's really hard <laughs> Yeah. I'm not quiet. It's really hard for me. But um, do, does your school run in like semesters, or is it kind of yeah. run like it is run semesters? Yeah. So yeah. for me, like my school's run in modules. Hmm. It's like my school, like um, with the classes I have right now, they end in August, and then I have a new set of classes that'll run, and they'll run till like October. Some classes run to December, January. So it's like it kind of makes it hard for me to work, but like, I'm still trying to manage it. But I agree with, with, with what you said about like, okay, working maybe more than 15 hours a week would be a little much just from my experience so far. Like I totally agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's definitely difficult, but I think that's great though. Like, and you said that you are, um, what is it you said it was a behavioral, behavioral therapist or behavioral? Um, a registered behavior technician. Registered behavior technician. Yeah, so okay. RBT for short. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been um, I've been doing that for a year, a little over a year. I think I made a year in April. So, yeah, it's been good to me. <laughs> That's awesome. And what kind of a setting? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, go ahead, Laura. Go ahead. I just I wasn't sure if I caught you what you said with that part. What what kind of a setting um, do you work in with that? Is that like school as well? Is that what we were talking about? So it is. Um, I did this. Um, the I. Uh, instructional aid position that was my gap year and so when I got into OT um, the OT program I couldn't continue to do that because that was like school hours like eight mm -hmm. to four so I couldn't do that and so I had to find a different job and that's when I found um, um, RBT at an ABA clinic and so sometimes I work in the clinic um, that was more so back before COVID now it's strictly in home for me and every once in a while I will go to a client's with them which I love like I wish I could do that all the time <laughs> but um not often I don't get to do it often gotcha and um you said you're doing in that doing it um like in home services how has that been like through COVID so far because I mean I don't know like how yeah. that really works 
Right, of course. So I was um, worried about it as well, but um, we do daily health screenings for our families and ourselves, and we um, have this whole sanitation kit that we take to their house, and so whatever our work area is going to be, we sanitize it when I get there, and I sanitize it before I leave. So we take a lot of precautions. Um, yeah, it's nice. So basically, I just try to um, help my kiddos get so the parents tell us like what they're having issues with and like what they want us to work on. And so then I just go in there, help them like maybe uh, manipulate some scenarios. So like I'll have a client sibling come in, take a toy from them or something. And so we'll like role play that and try to figure out like what are appropriate ways to respond to something like that. So, yeah. Okay, that's definitely interesting. Yeah, because I never heard of that, anything like that before. That's pretty cool. But um, sorry, sorry, Sarah. I didn't mean to like cut you off before. Did you have something to say? No, I mean my um, my sister does something very similar. Um, what you do. She um was a tech, and then now she's like a case manager, but she does work for like a clinic as well. So, cool. but she hasn't had to see any clients yet. Everything's just been through like Zoom, like their own uh, platform for Zoom. Yeah. But um, even with work in school, um, do you want to just share like a typical day for you as far as like um, what you do since we're, you know, post-COVID or before COVID as well? Um, okay, I can do both. Um, before COVID, it was kind of just like I had like a, like a strict schedule, like everything was like boom, boom, boom. <laughs> like I knew what my day was going to be like. <laughs> So like I would go to class. I usually went to class about 45 minutes before class started because um, when I read, I'm a, I'm a scanner, a skimmer. And so uh, before I would go early so that I can like re-look at things before class. And so then I would basically go through the day with all my classes, probably get done at about three. Um, after that, if I had to meet with any groups for any group projects, we would stay after class and just meet then. Um, and then if I have work, I would head to work. <laughs> and then after I'd head home and get to studying for whatever <laughs> I needed to study for. Um, now it's a little different. Uh, I only have one synchronous Zoom a day. So like every, I think every day at 9 a.m. I have a, um, Monday through Thursday, I have a Zoom at 9 a.m. Um, but after that, there's, I don't think there's any synchronous classes after that, but then I have to figure out when to meet with my groups, and so those are additional Zooms, and so whenever, I schedule my Zooms around my work schedule, and so if I'm working, then I'll go do a session. Um, usually my clients, they live a little bit of a ways for me, so I have to um, prepare to drive a little bit, but um, yeah, and then figuring out studying for exams and stuff. So yeah, it's a little up in the air after um, COVID, more so before. Yeah, and how are um, your studying techniques now, like um, through COVID? Yeah, so I just had an exam last week. And so uh, <laughs> it was really, when I initially started to study, it was really hard for me because I'm so used to um, studying with other people. And so, uh, that was a struggle, but then the night before, uh, my friend and I, we FaceTimed, and so we, we got it down, but, uh, yeah, so I'll just 
for the readings, I usually just go through, jot down a few notes from the readings, print out PowerPoints, um, and study those. And then, yes, yeah, so I'll learn the material by myself and then try to get with somebody like two days or a day before and we like quiz each other basically. And so that's how I study. I made it this far. <laughs> no, that's awesome. It seems like you have a pretty solid strategy to kind of just like get through what you need to get through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And kind of like to end, end it all, um, what's well, like, how is the impact of like, you know, the role of family, friends, maybe classmates in school for you? Um, so yeah, when I saw that question, I was just like, whoa, like this is like so important. <laughs> I was just like, if you don't have a support system during grad school, like I don't even know what you're doing. Like, I don't know how you're handling any of this. <laughs> but um, yeah, honestly, um, my support system has been like so influential to my survival of grad school. Um, shout out, I'm just give my, my shout out to my boyfriend really quick. <laughs> that man, he has been, been here through it all. Before I got into OT school, he was the one that picked me up after all of those rejections. He let me have my pity party. And then he was like, all right, do you want to be an OT? All right, let's get to it. <laughs> so uh, he's been super helpful, like every day when I'm studying and when I'm crying over exams and <laughs> all of that. He's there. He's like it's slipping me little snacks while I'm studying. Like he's like he's amazing. So he's definitely been my rock through all of this. Um, my parents. Uh, they're amazing as well. Like whenever those books are too expensive for my pockets at the moment, <laughs> I, all I have to do is hit them up and they'll cash at me something to help me get get them and all of that. All other family members as well. They're always telling me how proud they are of me. So just like hearing stuff like that, that really does help you get through um, stressful times. So hearing that I'm actually doing something that my family is proud for, proud of me for is like really, really helpful. And my friends, classmates included, like just especially classmates, that having those people in your cohort, co cohort that you can just go to when things are getting stressful. Like I might go to you complaining, I might go to you um, crying. Just having those who who understand exactly what you're going through. Like yeah, people are in OT programs, but there's nobody like your cohort. Like they know exactly what you're going through at that time. So it's like they're super helpful. And my friends that aren't in OT school, they're helpful. They push me like all the time whenever I'm like, all right, I'm 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 quitting Zoom University. I'm quitting. <laughs> they're like, no, you're not. You have one year left. Shut up. You will be fine. <laughs> so yeah, they're super amazing. All of them. Like I said, having a support system is crucial to surviving grad school. Oh, I love it. I love it. You couldn't have said it any better. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. I think that's awesome though. I'm so happy for you that you have such like a good support system. It sounds like you know, just like really awesome. Like you, you sound like you just are um, just like really happy, like with where you are right now. I am. I really am. You have going on for you. Yeah, I know, and it's crazy that you say that because, like, I guess it would be two years. No, one year. No, yeah, two years. Two years ago, at this time, I was not like getting rejected. <laughs> it's not fun <laughs> and so I really was doubting myself like a lot and now that I'm actually here doing what I want to do and that's another thing whenever I'm complaining about school my boyfriend's like uh but you were crying when you weren't in there so 
<laughs> so I don't want to hear it. <laughs> so I was just like, you're right. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I'm so happy. That's it's those great. emotions, man. Grad school make you feel a whole, like, oh you, it really tests your boundaries. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> oh, man. It's like, yeah. it's like I'll, I'll go downstairs, I'm crying, mom, mom, I can't do this. <laughs> She's like, hey, money for so you're going to go upstairs, you're going to do it. I was like, okay. <laughs> okay, you are going to do it. I don't care. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> No, I, I totally have that same thing. Same thing going on. I do the same thing. Like, I had my mental breakdown already. Like, even just out of week one of school, I'm just like, I, I know. That first week is hard. That first week is so hard. <laughs> it's like, it's like, you really go through so many transitions and adjustments, and it's just like, okay, can I even do this? But you'll, you'll definitely get the hang of it. I promise you. If I, look, if I'm doing it, you definitely can do it. <laughs> I appreciate that. I do. <laughs> and um, so I know just one question that we always ask, like normally at the end, just like, what would you consider to be like a well-rounded, like occupational therapist, like for yourself? Like, what would you consider to be? Yeah. That's a really good question. Um, uh, I would say someone who is um, empathetic and is um, compassionate. So the people that we work with are going through hard things. And so being able to um, have that empathy and compassion for their situation, um, being culturally sensitive, um, knowing their background so that you can use appropriate words and language with them. Um, I'm determined, I, I truly feel like you have to be um, determining you really have to love what you do in order to be a good OT because there are going to be stressful moments and you have to be there for the right reasons not because of um, like the money or anything you have to be there for um, the the, re the good reasons in order to be a good OT. Um, I can't think of anything else off the top of my head. <laughs> no that was perfect honestly I could have said that better myself even honestly you, you covered all that that was great and um also if anyone would like to reach out to you as well maybe you can just cover what like where exactly they'd be able to reach out to you yeah i am on instagram and twitter as show the ot so s-h-o-t-h-e-o-t -E there you go she's doing great stuff oh and on youtube sorry show the ot on youtube <laughs> yes. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> but thank you guys so much for having me. This was awesome. Thank you so much. No, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for even taking your time to just like talk to us and really just help educate other people as well. Of course. Anytime. Hey everyone, if you liked today's episode, please make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on our weekly chats. You can also find us on Instagram at the modern OT underscore podcast. There will be new episodes released every Friday, so feel free to reach out to us. We would love to connect with you.